My dear respected and most honorable elders, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. First of all, we humbly begin by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by glorifying and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with, the, with this unique opportunity to congregate in his house, to worship him, to glorify him, and to send salutations upon his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we pray that Allah Azza wa Jal will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future, insha'Allah. This past week has, has been somewhat of a, of, of a turbulent week uh, for uh, not just uh, us as, as British Muslims, or as Muslims, but as uh, Muslims uh, of a wider ummah, of a wider community, international community. Uh, we've had tensions between two countries rise to a point where, uh, you know, um, it seemed as if war uh, was, was inevitable and it was soon to break out. Uh, and I thought to myself, I'm, I'm going to discuss uh, this particular issue in terms of how to avoid conflict, how the Prophet ﷺ would refrain from conflict. He was never one to initiate conflict. Uh, when you look at the battles of the Prophet ﷺ and the battles that he fought, um, they were always defensive battles. They were always battles of defending himself and defending his community and his people. Uh, he never went out. He, was, he wasn't a warmonger. He didn't go out seeking war. He didn't go out seeking conflict. Uh, that's something that the Prophet ﷺ tried utmost to refrain from. And that was, in, in essence, that was a hallmark of the Khilafah of Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali, may Allah be pleased with them all, then that's what they refrained from doing. In the time of Sayyidina Ali, when, when, when fitan and tribulations began to occur, that's exactly what Sayyidina Ali, karramallahu wajha, attempted to do, refrain from conflict. Uh, you know, try to kill that conflict completely without, having, uh, without it having to, to result in more loss of, of life because loss of even one life is something that is displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So that's something that I was thinking about talking uh, or, or, or preparing my, my, my khutbah on. However, I thought that um, that's something that we can leave for another time because I've spoken about it on many occasions before, um, how to avoid conflict. There's something else that I've noticed in this past week and I felt like this is something that we can do, we each and every one of us. You know, the international politics are not in our control, right? We don't dictate U.S. foreign policy. We don't dictate uh, Iran's nuclear policy. We don't dictate any of, of, of that which is going on. We can only make dua, oh Allah, protect the ummah. Oh Allah, protect your people. That's the only thing that we can do uh, in, in terms of trying to bring uh, some semblance of, of understanding um, uh, to that situation. However, something else that's been raging over the last week are the fires in, in Australia. And, and that's something that I, I thought about, you know, because 
the environment is so important in Islam. And this, this particular fire, which is a natural phenomenon, um, it has killed close to one billion animals. And they're only estimates. It could be so much more than that. One billion animals have been killed. And I thought to myself, you know what? We could fit this in to our understanding and our care of the environment. That actually goes to show how far away from conflict we should be, how we should try to refrain from conflict. Like, you know, the example of, of Sayyidina Abu Bakr when he went out to fight uh, and, 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 and he had his, 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 uh, his army with him and he said to them, do not cut down trees, do not kill animals. Because this was the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, even in a state of war. Now this is something that we can all learn from, how to care and sustain for the environment. But before we talk about caring and taking care of the environment, it's important for us to realize or to understand what constitutes an environment or what makes up our environment. We know that the problem of the environment is one of, the, one of today's most serious problems. It's a problem that threatens not only ourselves today, but it uh, threatens the future of the entire planet, the future of our uh, coming generations and their right to live in a healthy and wholesome environment. So this, in essence, compels us to understand our environmental problems and try to find tenable solutions for those problems now. Now, prevention is always better than cure. We've always heard that, right? Before, rather than uh, going outside in the cold in your T-shirt and your shorts, and then getting cold and thinking, well, if I, if I, if I catch a cold, I'll have some paracetamol and I'll have this afterwards to counter it. Well, no, take precautions beforehand. Cover up completely. Make sure you don't get the cold beforehand. So prevention is always better than cure. One scientist Going back to what constitutes an environment, he answered the question by saying that we have 4,095 environments. And as Muslims, we can best understand that, that statement by the simple wording of the Quran. When we look at Surah Al-Fatiha, Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the first verse, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praises for Allah, the Lord of Alameen. He didn't say the Lord of the Alam. Or Alamul Ins, Alamul Jinn. He didn't say, I'm the Lord of this world, this world that you reside in, this world that you know of. He said, Alameen, the Lord of all of the worlds, i.e., everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created, He's the Rabb of. Even those things that we have no understanding of, we have no knowledge of. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His Rububiyyah is, 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 is present over them. And when we look at the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, what did the Prophet what did Allah say about the Prophet? That we have not sent you except as a mercy for all of those worlds. So not just for this world, for every world that Allah subhanahu wa taala created and is the Rabb of, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was sent as a mercy for. So in essence, we are we are representatives of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and therefore custodians of this planet. Custodians of every single world that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Rabb of. The Quran expresses this, uh, this truth in the verse that I quoted before you in my khutbah. المغرب, and to Allah belongs the East and the West. And wherever you turn, you will find the countenance of Allah. Inna Allah wasi'un alim.
Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's all embracing and he's all knowing. This is extremely important, first and foremost, for us to understand before we even talk about the environment. You know, uh, the environment doesn't just constitute this environment that we live in or that which we can see. It constitutes everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has created. So when we talk about the pollution of the environment, the, uh, we're, not just, we're not just talking about the pollution of the physical environment that we see. We're talking, we're talking about the pollution of the social environment and societal issues. Right? The fact that um, uh, marriages are becoming uh, a joke. The fact that Muslims are engaging in sex outside of marriage. This is, this is polluting our social environment and the structure of our social environment. Poverty, deprivation, homelessness, migration problems, racism, the abandonment of children. All of these come under the societal problems of the environment. So what's the Islamic viewpoint on that? I've already mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made insan in the best of creation, as the best of creation, in the best of forms, as the Khalifa, the vicegerent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon this earth. And therefore, in doing so, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given this earth to us as a amana, as a trust. Right? It's not something that you and I own. You know, we cannot claim ownership of this land. When we're here for 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, however long we may live, we cannot claim ownership of this land. The ownership of everything belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a principle that each and every Muslim must abide by. You know, we think, we talk about, oh, well, this land is mine. I own it. Therefore, no trespassing on that land. No, ownership only belongs to Allah. We're custodians. We're given this, this earth as an uh, as a amana, as a trust. And within that trust is a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's countenance, is a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's existence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Sanurihim ayatina fil afaqi wa fi anfusihim, hatta yatabayyana lahum, hatta yatabayyana lahum annahul haqq. That we shall show them, we shall surely show them our signs in the furthest regions of the earth and within their own souls. So in essence, taking care of this amana is part of our inner being. It's part of this inner trust that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted to us. So thus this unity, this trust, this responsibility are three basic concepts of Islam. The three basic tenets of our religion, these principles form the chief pillars of the Islamic environmental ethic. And it goes back to uh, the sunnah, uh, the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, 1400 years ago, when people had no idea about what the environment constituted, people didn't know what what lands even existed. Maps were inaccurate of that time. People didn't explore. People didn't know who lived on the other side of this planet, and people re didn't really care about what was happening. However, the Quran from the very beginning and the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, from the very beginning, even though the Prophet ﷺ did not travel much, he wasn't well traveled in this dunya, yet the Prophet ﷺ gave us indications of how a Muslim should live and how a Muslim's principles should, how he should guide himself throughout life. The Quran uh, again talks about many indications of. Of, uh, of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who the Lord that we worship, who created us and who created those before us, 
so that we may become righteous. He made for us that he created for us the earth as a bed. Right? And he created for us a sky as a ceiling. And he set down from that sky rain so that we may nourish ourselves. So everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created, and when we, when we look at the verses of the Quran, you know what we'll find? We'll find that the, the, the majority of the verses of the Quran are talking about the creation. They're talking about the universe. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is highlighting these things. And look at all of these things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. By highlighting them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in essence telling us that it's your duty to care for them. I've created them. How are you going to now treat them? So it's our responsibility to, to ensure the, 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 the upkeep and the maintenance of the environment and especially the environment that we are in direct control of. When we talk about pollution, what's the first thing that can counter pollution? Is cleanliness, is it not? Nazafa, right? And when we look at what the, the Islamic rulings on cleanliness and how, how much importance and how significant cleanliness is within our tradition, it's of utmost importance. Once we've clarified those basic tenets and those basic concepts of unity and of trust and amana, we have to look at one of the most important and fundamental of all beliefs, and that's cleanliness. Before we come to the prayer, what did we do? Did we just walk into the mosque as we woke up in the morning? No, we had a shower. We made our wudu. We cleansed our bodies, our physical bodies. I always tell our children, you know, when we talk about the reason why we, why we make wudu, the purpose of salah is to cleanse our spirit, is to cleanse our nafs of all the debt that is accumulated. When we beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness and he forgives us, we're washing away those stains from our heart. We're washing away the stains that our nafs has accumulated over time through sin. And in order for us to do that, we have to remain physically pure and physically clean. Both uh, spiritual cleanliness and physical cleanliness go hand in hand. That's why we have wudu, ablution. We come into the masjid, we make sure that we're physically clean before we stand up in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say our takbir at the beginning. It's extremely important. The concept of ghusl in Islam, you know, this, this, this never existed. When, when uh, uh, Muslims, when, when human beings engage in, 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 in intercourse, immediately thereafter, they're, they're not encouraged, they're not recommended. It's they're obligated to perform ghusl, to clean themselves, to clean their bodies, to clean, in essence, any dirt that will remain on them. So this is a part of our belief. The Prophet ﷺ could not have made it any more clearer when he said that cleanliness is half of your iman. Remaining clean is half of your belief. Some of the earliest verses revealed to the Prophet ﷺ, when we look at them, Ya ayyuhal muddathir, kum fa'anthir, wa rabbaka fakabbir, wa thiyabaka fatahir. Oh you who's wrapped in a mantle, arise, stand up, go and deliver your warning. And your Lord, magnify your sustainer, magnify your Lord. And your clothes, keep them clean. These are the very first, some of the very first verses revealed to the Prophet ﷺ. Remain clean. Cleanliness is extremely important. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala associates cleanliness 
and forgiveness both go hand in hand. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ التَّوَّابِينَ وَيُحِبُّ الْمُتَطَحِّرِينَ Indeed, Allah loves those, who, those individuals who turn to him in repentance and those individuals who, who keep themselves clean. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves them. The clearest example of, of this approach in Islamic life you can, you can find in many countless narrations in the six books of, of, of hadith like how, how important cleanliness. It has chapters, it has books of a hadith of the Prophet wasallam associated with, 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 with cleanliness, associated with keeping ourselves clean. The Prophet wasallam paid the greatest of attention to even the smallest of dirt. The smallest of dirt, whether that be, dirt be on his clothes, whether that dirt be on his body, when, uh, when in, in, constantly, always ensuring that he remains physically clean. I already mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala associates cleanliness and forgiveness with hand in hand. In order for us to reach or to, to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in repentance, we must ensure that we're first physically clean. Clean your physical bodies first. And then ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, uh, for the cleanliness of your spiritual souls. So now we come to the, the cleanliness of the social environment. right? That's extremely important too. Physical environment, yes, that which we can see, we keep clean. We're supposed to, when we come to, you know, the, 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 among the necessities and the obligations of prayer are what? Not only that you keep yourselves clean and your, your clothes clean and your aura is covered, that the place that you're going to pray has to be clean. And what did the Prophet ﷺ say for this ummah? That are we only allowed to pray on the prayer mat? Are we only allowed to pray in the masjid? No, the Prophet ﷺ said the entire earth has been made a place of, of sajda for the, for the Muslims. That everything, this entire planet is a masjid for the believers. So our duty and our obligation is to constantly try to keep everything around us clean. One of the most important topics to come to mind when we talk about environmental health is the cleanliness of the common environment, the cleanliness of the roads around us, the places of worship, schools, parks, playgrounds, stadiums, excursion spots, wherever we may go, whatever we may see, it's our duty to ensure the cleanliness of such places. When we seek to maintain the cleanliness of the social environment, the most important thing to think of is not ourselves but others. This is again a tenant, a tenant of our faith. In a hadith reported by Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala an, he reports that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسه That none of you can have true iman, none of you can truly believe until you love for your brother what you love for yourself. Does, if, if we just acted upon this one hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Think of all the huge changes that it could bring. You see? When we go into the wudu areas of the masjid, right, which are not just being utilized by ourselves, but by others too. And we go into that toilet to, to, to go to the toilet and, and do our istinja. We should ideally be leaving that toilet the way we would like it to be left for ourselves. The, like, the way we would like to have found it in the first place. And nobody wants to go to, into a dirty toilet. They want it to be clean. That's exactly what we must be doing. But that's, that, that concept of, of, of others and thinking of others is so far from our minds, it's unbelievable. We've become so selfish. 
That we only think about ourselves, we don't think about other people anymore. And this is one of the things that Islam encourages us to do. That you're one ummah. If one, you, the ummah is like one body, if one part of that body is suffering from pain, the entire body feels that pain. That's exactly who we, this is what we should try to emulate. The sunnah of the Prophet The Prophet was an individual who gave utmost care and consideration to others. He pre- the companions were those The Quran says that they gave preference to others over themselves even though they themselves were at a loss. They preferred others over themselves. You've heard of that, that there's a famous story and uh, the hadith is, 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 is weak, but in Fadail in, al-A'mal, in, uh, to encourage a virtuous action, which is, it is doing, I'm, I'm narrating it to you. There's a, there's a hadith of, of the goat's head, right? And the goat's head it was slaughtered and um, there was, the goat's head was, was, was someone who had slaughtered it, gave it to somebody else, right? That you... This, this, this family is more needy than mine. They, they will need to eat. And that individual, when he received it, he thought of another family that was more needier than his. And he thought, no, 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 I'll pass it over to that family. That individual is more needy than I am. And it passed to the, to the third person. The third person thought, no, there's another person who's more needy than I am. He's more poorer than I am. He has younger children than I have. And he gives it to him. The fourth person passes it to a fifth person and considered that individual more needy than he was. The fifth passes it to the sixth person. And the sixth person says to himself, you know, I've got this, I'm poor and I'm needy, but I feel like there's this, this individual and his family who is more needy than I am. They might require this more than I will, more than I do. And he passes it to the seventh person. And the seventh person was the individual who had the goat's head passed around in the first place. He was the first person. So it came back to the first person again. This is how they gave preference to others over themselves, constantly thinking about other individuals, constantly thinking about alleviating the problems of others. And if we just bring that, that understanding within our lives, that we're going to try to create an environment that we would want to live in ourselves. We want to live in a clean home. We want, to live, we want our outside, the outside of our homes to remain clean. We should want the same thing for our neighbor, right? We should want their, the outside of their homes to be clean too. When we go to the park and we take our children, we want the park to be clean. So our children don't trip up, fall down, get dirty, get messy because of the dirt that's surrounding the place. Then don't create that for others either. Don't leave dirt for others then to come and clean up after you. It's extremely important. We talk, you know, there's such an emphasis on... Um, uh, in, in Winchester University, there's, there's, um, there's so much emphasis there on, on, on being uh, uh, environmentally friendly, and, and which is great. Recycling is at the top of all of the agendas, right? And I think to myself, subhanAllah, as Muslims, we're encouraged to do that naturally from the very beginning. We're encouraged to live off the land. We're encouraged to eat of wholesome foods. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, eat of the wholesome and the tayyibat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided for you. And do not create mischief in the land. Right? In other verses, 
And do not be wasteful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like the wasteful people. We're encouraged in the Quran to recycle. We're encouraged in the Quran to be environmentally friendly. And it's imperative that we bring the... You know, these, these teachings that we're talking about, they're not, they're not trivial. Don't think for one moment, and I mentioned this, I believe, last week or the week before. It's one hadith of the Prophet wasallam. Being clean, remaining clean, and encouraging others to be clean, and taking care of our environment, is a sign of our iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In a hadith mentioned in Shu'b al-Iman, which is mentioned by both Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim in their respective books, it's reported by Sayyidina Abu Hurair radiallahu ta'ala an. He reports that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Al-Imanu bid'un wa sittuna aw bid'un wa sab'una shu'batan. That Iman is, a, is like a tree of 60 and 70 branches of faith. Think of Iman like a tree which has 60 or 70 branches of faith. Afdaluha qawlu la ilaha illallah. The highest and the uppermost, most preferred branch is to say la ilaha illallah. Right? That's the most important thing for, for us to testify that there is no God except Allah. That's the, uh, the, that's the highest form. That's the pinnacle of Iman. Wa'adnaha. And the lowest branch of Iman. Wa'adnaha imatatul adha'anit tariq. To remove something harmful from the path. When you go outside and you see something in the road that might cause a nuisance or might inconvenience somebody else and you remove it, that's a sign of your iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's a sign of you saying, la ilaha illallah. What in essence you're saying is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator of this land and he has entrusted this land, given this land as an amana to me. And it's my duty to maintain it and it's my duty and responsibility to look after it. If each and every one of us had that understanding, if each and every one of us brought that into ourselves and started doing that, do you think any dirt would be left on the streets? Do you think that, don't you think that we'll be far more, we wouldn't have to bring about new innovations to remain environmentally friendly? Because we'll constantly, each and every one of us will be trying to do the same thing, taking care of that environment that we are in control of. And it'll bring about such a, such a, uh, you know, we'll almost be living in like a utopian society if we did that. But unfortunately, we're not as selfless as we should be. We're far more selfish than we believe ourselves not to be. So this is extremely important. Um, I was going to talk about the, the fact, you know, when we talk about, don't think that this is something that is new. You know, environmental determinism and, 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 and food chains and and, and taking care of the environment, this is not something new. This began many, many decades ago. Early Muslim philosophers would talk about this when nobody was discussing this. You know, there are, scient there, there are scientists who visited the Muslim lands, who visited the, the early time of the Ottoman Empire, and they wrote in their respective books that <laughs> when, when, when speaking about um, how the Ottoman Empire was run, said, you know, they have hospitals for pets. They have hospitals for animals. And that was in essence to say, look, we don't even have hospitals for human beings. This is going back seven, eight hundred years. And in the, in, the, in the Muslim world, they have hospitals for animals taking care of, they have animal shelters taking care of, 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 of stray animals. This is something that has always been part of our society, always been part of our community and it's imperative 
that we, um, we, uh, we try to maintain that, we try to continue that. We give honor to, to those individuals of the past. You know, Ray, I'll, I'll mention one to you, and I think I'll leave it at that. Raymond A. Nicholson, who um, in his book, uh, The Mystic of Islam, I was reading this, and in, in that, and he's talking about Bayezid, Abu, Abu Yazid al-Bastani, right? One of the great Sufi Gnostics. And he, um, he was based in Hamadan, Hamdan, and, and, and there he purchased some cardamom seeds, right? He purchased some seeds for there, from there, and it, they were placed in a bag. And then he took that bag and he departed, and departed from there to go to Bastan. And on, when he arrived at his destination, which was many hundreds of miles and many you know, weeks and months of travel to get there, he opened his, his, his bag of seeds, and what he noticed was an ant colony that, that was there in his bag. And rather than disposing of the seeds and disposing of them there as any of us would have done, he, he thought to themselves, he said, I've, carry, I've carried these poor creatures away from their home. Their home was in Hamdan and I brought them here to Bastan. Right? I've carried them away from their natural environment. He travels back those several hundred miles just to place that colony back in its original place. And I'm not saying that's something that each and every one of us has the ability to do. I'm just telling you the reason why he did that was because of his understanding that it was his belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it was his iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that encouraged him to, to give concern for those, for those insects that many of us would overlook, that many of us wouldn't care about. You look at the verses of the Qur'an, the, verse, the, 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 the chapters of the Qur'an, chapters named after Anqabut, right? Nahal, the bee, the ant. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an given preference, talking to us, teaching us about taking care of, of animals, given preference to animals, ensuring that they're taken care of because you are not the only creation, you and I are not the only creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created everything. And we're just, we're, we have been given the honor of being custodians. So we should act like custodians. We should act like, like khulafa, like vicegerents of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and take care of that environment around us. First and foremost, that's our own environment, our, our, uh, not only our physical environment that we're in control of, that we can see, that we can walk on, but also our social environment. Right? When you see someone who, who's suffering, when you see someone who's, who's, who, who requires something, providing that for them, that's, you're, you're taking care of someone else. That's part of your social environment, cleanliness work as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me and you the tawfiq to act upon the teachings of, of the Qur'an and the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.